Warning, this podcast may contain explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Noisemaker Podcast, where we interview bands that you may have never found anywhere else. We are your number one spot for discovering all new music. Get to know artists, understand what drives them, and hear from some of their top tracks. Join me, your host, Rocky Ferenberg, as we give rise to the underground world of music and set out to do what so many others have failed to, be a staple for the independent musician. Now... Let's make some noise. everyone welcome back this is episode 18 of the noisemaker podcast if this is your first time joining us welcome if you're returning then thank you if you like what we're doing here please like subscribe and rate us with a five-star review we are on all your favorite streaming platforms like itunes stitcher google play spotify or wherever you get your podcast don't forget to follow us on facebook and twitter at noisemaker pod On the Facebook page, we have a pinned post that will allow you to subscribe to our newsletter where it will be easier to stay up to date with bands that have been on the program. Also, we're working on a Patreon subscription service with some added content, bonuses, and so stay stay tuned for that. This is the Noisemaker Podcast where we help you with that horrible problem that we all face, where to find new and original music. On the line with me is Julianne from Julianne and the Howl. How you doing, Julie? 
Uh-huh, yeah. It's actually uh, Julianne Q in the house. Sorry. Julianne Q, yes, sorry. I forgot I dropped the Q. It's written <laughs> right there, and I dropped the Q. So. <laughs> you're good, man. You're good. You have a lot to say right there. So so you're Julianne Q, and but what, what, what if any instrument do you play? Uh, what else do you do for the band? Yeah, so I am the uh, front woman, and I'm also the keys player. Oh, nice. So the Howl, uh, who plays and, and what do they do for the band besides just their instrument? Yeah, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So uh, we've actually got a great system working um, from the back end, so to speak, as well as from what you see on stage. So, again, I'm the front woman, I'm the lead vocalist, and I also play the piano. Um, I have uh, my friend Chris. He plays the lead guitar. And... Uh, I have Egan Franca, he plays the bass, and then I have Jeff, he does the drums and backing vocals. Uh, Egan and Chris occasionally jump on for backing vocals as well. Um, in terms of what we do to make the band uh, make the band work, so Chris is in charge of booking, Jeff is in charge of uh, merch and uh, helps me with social media and marketing things. Uh, Egan is in charge of logistics, so basically anything regarding scheduling, so be it uh, rehearsals, uh, tour dates, um, Airbnbs, what have you. Um, we go on a we go on a songwriting retreat as a band every uh, every three four months or so. So like he'd be the one to he'd be the one to uh, handle the scheduling for that. That's about what we all do, and then I um, I manage everything. I manage all the guys, check in with them, and what their roles are. And I also manage the press and I manage the um, uh, basically the majority of the social media as well. I always find the, uh, you know, kind of band name, the the insert name here and the so and so is kind of to be an, an interesting approach to forming a, a band name. And usually there's kind of an interesting story behind it. Uh, what was the was the hell a band before you met them or tell us a little bit about the unification of the the two parts julianne q and the hell yeah absolutely so uh i have been a professional musician for about three years now and um i started off as just a solo artist singer songwriter i was just julianne q um i started playing with the band and realized like that was much more my jive, my scene. And so I started kind of going with Julianne Q and the band. Um, we had a lineup change where we um, had a new guitarist and a new bassist. And um, we actually had a really amazing first songwriters retreat where back in February, which is actually how this EP came about. Uh, this EP is essentially the um, result of this songwriting weekend where we got together we listened to our influences. We figured out the sound that we really clicked with that we really wanted to go for, which was this very classic rock um, and blues influenced sound. And um, we realized that that needed a new name, that um, the new lineup, the new sound, the new vibe, it needed a new name. And uh, so that's how we came up with Julianne Q and the Howl. So uh, why the Howl? Uh, the Howl is for... A couple of reasons. Uh, for one thing, the howl is sort of like this um, this ethereal metaphysical term for the kind of um, ecstatic release of energy from your body that happens when you're screaming and you're dancing and you're singing along and you're just like feeling the room with everybody else while you're rocking out with that band. So we want people to feel that we want people to feel that energy that just like kind of camaraderie with other with others and kind of have like one communal um kind of cathartic release of energy in a howl you know so like they're howling um the howl also references um it's actually three 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 references the howl also references um a wolf pack so the feeling of like kind of being a part of something bigger than yourself um my band and I are very much a wolf pack. We very much look out for each other. We care for each other. We're buddies as much as we are bandmates. Um, and kind of having um, a communal howl is sort of like the verbal expression of being a part of a wolf pack. Um, and then the third reason is um, it's actually a small reference to um, um, an old Chicago blues musician named Howlin' Wolf. Uh, Howlin' Wolf was a huge influence on the Stones and various other bands of the 1960s and 70s. Um, the 1960s and 70s era, particularly like the psychedelic rock, uh, the Woodstock, so like 
you know, again, Led Zeppelin, Janis Joplin, uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix, those are the people who we really connected with from a sound and influence standpoint. So we wanted to pay, and also the Stones, so we wanted to pay tribute to that by sort of referencing um, a musician that they were influenced by with Helen Wolf. Um, and the blues is still very prominent in our music, so we wanted to kind of keep that in mind as well. Yeah, actually, that was uh, kind of the next question that I wanted to tackle here was what was was coming to land on this kind of blues and, and classic rock uh, f- feel kind of by an accident, or was it a, a more of a well thought out decision? Was was this the uh, style that you've always sang? No, so um, it was a little bit of both. So um, it was a little bit um, kind of you know serendipitous gift from God kind of thing and also sort of planned as well. So um, we have been adding, probably the last like year or so, we've added a lot of covers to our set sort of just to kind of be able to do different kinds of gigs. Um, and a lot of the covers that we tended to do, excuse me, was um, rock music from the 60s and 70s. And I noticed something very different within myself when I was performing these songs. Like I connected on such a deep level to you know the soulfulness and the vocals and just like the screaming vocals and like the electric guitar solos and I just I connected so deeply and the way that I performed actually changed drastically so I went from kind of being behind the piano the majority of the time and still rocking out but being behind the majority the piano the majority of the time to actually stepping away from the piano being in front of the stage and now, you know, I, I dance around, I, you know, engage the audience, like, up and down. I, I have a very kind of Jagger, Freddie Mercury kind of style with my frontmanship. <laughs> um, so I, that kind of changed for me. Like, I realized that that was where I needed to be um, as a performer. And that was also where I needed to be as a vocalist. Like, that was where I connected. Um, and I also connected with, um, like, soul singers. So vocally, I am extremely influenced by the great, the late Aretha Franklin, um, as much as, you know, Etta James and um, similar people of that era. So like that soul influenced the rock, you know, that came from the 60s and 70s. So like I kind of wanted to embody all of those themes, Um, basically like things that I connected with and that I found that my band was connecting with my bandmates were too. You know, we were all just kind of jiving on this place and all just kind of came together when we went on the songwriting retreat. So when we went on the songwriting retreat back in February, we, um, we had just lost our guitarist about a week prior, um, very kind of suddenly. And so it was just me, Egan and Jeff, Chris was not in the band at the time. And um, we were like, you know, hey, like, are we gonna go on this retreat? What are we gonna do? Like, what's the deal? And we came together, we listened to, a bunch of music that influenced us, you know, again, like Zeppelin, uh, um, Wolf Mother, uh, The Who, various other blues rock artists. And we kind of rebirthed ourselves, if you will. And we sort of came out of, of a crappy situation and just made something completely our own. And then when Chris came on board, he just added, you know, that much more style and creative energy to it. Great. Well, then, I mean, it sounds awesome. I mean, every time you talk about this music retreat, it makes me want to go on a, on a music retreat. <laughs> so the songwriting retreat is actually really great for a couple of reasons. So um, so for, for just to give you some context in terms of how it uh, came about, um, I was the primary songwriter, in fact, the only songwriter for a while. So the first album that came out was just Julianne Q. Um, that was all my music and the band played on it. And, you know, with managing a band and everything that goes with running a business, I had very little creative energy and my bandmates still did. So I was like, well, hey, I've got some really talented uh, co-songwriters in here. Let's take advantage of it. Like, let's get together and let's write some music together. So the great thing about being on a songwriting retreat is kind of up in a cabin in the woods. You're away from, you know, most of society, you just get together, you hang out, you bond, you drink, you know, you, you, you just kind of create some memories and some, like, some relationships. But on top of that, you're there for one goal. You're there to focus and to make music. So sometimes, you know, 
the environment is conducive enough where like we pumped out four songs the first one we went on one in july and you know the airbnb wasn't that great it was super duper freaking hot so we only cranked out two songs you know so it's not necessarily about the success of the retreat. It's about going and just having that time together to kind of bond as a band and to make music and to kind of see like where you guys are at sonically and creatively. Yeah. Yeah. I would think that it would also be something really good. I've talked to a few bands that have band members that are not all necessarily in the same area. And that even sounds like something that would be great for bands like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I just recently played with a band where, you know, some of, their, some of their members live in southern Indiana, some of them live in the north suburbs of Chicago, you know, so they all kind of like switch <laughs> off with like practice place. I'm like, you know, why don't you all get together for like a weekend and just kind of do you guys, you know? Yeah. So the next question, moving on here, the next question I had is I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, the music scene in Chicago. How how does it compare to the rest of Illinois and uh, other pla- and perhaps, you know, some of the other places you've been? Yeah. So um, Chicago, I'm really blessed, is my hometown. Um, Chicago has a lot of great venues to kind of start and to, um, progress in your music career. Um, it's got a lot of, you know, late night jam sessions where musicians get together and it's got a lot of like, you know, local bars and then actual clubs and bigger clubs and bigger clubs. So you can really kind of see yourself rise within one city. So that's really cool. Um, like there's a lot of opportunities venues wise. Um, there's also a very eclectic scene in Chicago. I've noticed like we've got a lot of like dream pop and like shoegaze, but we've also got like a lot of punk and a lot of metal and house and hip hop and rap and, you know, indie rock. Like there's just everything here. It's a really cool kind of melting pot to be here. Um, you know, I mean, honestly, I don't think I would have met um, Chris, our guitarist, had it not been for the melting pot of music in Chicago. Um, we uh, we actually met at a late night um, kind of like jam session that I, I go to um, every other Tuesday or so at this one place. And, you know, had it not been for our, the opportunity for us to kind of, you know, play some covers on stage and really jive off each other and talk, we would have never met. You know, so I definitely think that, like, um, the Chicago environment really kind of helped me develop as an artist, helped us develop as a band, and also find each other as, as bandmates as well. You know, and you got, like, a couple music schools here. Like, you got the um, Columbia, uh, Columbia College Chicago, which is where, which is how I met Egan, the bassist. Um, he was a um, musician, a young student at uh, Columbia, and I met him through that network. Um and there's like um, SAE, there's just a bunch of other like kind of underground music. Like it's, the music scene is not all right in front of your face. You sometimes you kind of have to go digging for it, but like you dig a little bit and you'll find it. Um, compared to the su- suburban scene, I, I can't really say I have a ton of experience like going to the suburban scenes because a lot of it is, um, there are some original music venues out in the suburbs. There are, but there's also a lot of cover venues um the chicago suburbs very saturated with the cover band market very um like it employs a lot of cover bands and there's nothing wrong with that i'm not gonna i'm not gonna crap on cover bands there's nothing wrong with that like so there are some really amazing bands out there that do that um i would say though there's there's definitely an original music scene i would say more of it is in the city um and unfortunately the chicago suburban market is definitely more cover saturated Great. So the song we heard at the top of the show was called Born to Die. Do you want to give us a little bit of background on what Born to Die is about? I would love to. So Born to Die is the first song that I co-wrote with a member of my band. Um, That was written by uh, Jeff Mills and me. Uh, Jeff Mills is the drummer and the backing vocalist of the band. Um, We that song is essentially kind of the turning point for us sonically as a band. You know, that was the first kind of song that we started to go down that path of uh you know classic rock blues influence uh born to die is kind of an allegorical story about a guy who um has a bunch of demons alcohol like drug abuse bad bad home life and he never recovers you know it's sort of about that endless cycle of of like addiction and depression that you know you you can break out of, but sometimes people never do. So 
in essence, the character and the story was sort of born to die. So the, the, I actually relate a lot to that because I, I've gone through my own, own struggles with, with addiction and, and some issues like that. So, sure, I yeah. mean, it's, yeah, it's always great to be able to uh, uh, hear a song that you can actually, you know, rather connect with. So that the song we're about ready to hear is called Leaving You. Do you want to kind of mm-hmm. do the same thing for us? Give us a little bit of background on what Leaving You is about. Yeah. So, you know, again, um, when we went on that songwriting retreat, we were going through a lot of changes of the band. Like I said, we, um, we had a lineup change like the week before the songwriting retreat. Um, we also were working with a booking agent that really did not work out well at all. So we were kind of like in this like sort of weird limbo and leaving you was essentially about leaving those toxic relationships behind. It was sort of about closing the chapter on that story of our musical, of our band journey and, you know, opening a new one. So opening the chapter of Julia Q and the Howl. So it's, it's about, you know, you can relate to it on a more simple level of, again, just leaving a toxic relationship. And like, you'll notice that throughout the song, it gets more and more powerful and there's more music added in. Um, And by the end of the song, it's like a defiant, like, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm leaving you, (laughs) you know, like there's no going back. No, I'm done. And at first it's like, I'm leaving you. Yeah. I'm leaving you. Yeah. You know what? Hell yeah. I'm leaving you. I'm leaving your ass. Like, so it, it was kind of cool to see the progress of that. So that's kind of the two stories behind that song. That's interesting because that's really like a a, a real progression of how somebody comes to the realization that they actually are leaving a relationship. That's it's a unique way to take on a subject like that. Yeah, exactly. And you know, again, like that was really kind of how we wanted to approach it um, in terms of the way that I sing it, the way that Jeff sings it. Jeff did a beautiful job on the vocals with that second verse. Um, You know, and his vocals are a little bit more powerful than mine in the second verse, and then you know the third verse I get back in there. So like we really wanted to kind of emulate that progression of that's that realization when you when you finally say to yourself you know what i got to get the heck out of this relationship or the heck out of this situation so great well this is going to be leaving you by julianne q and the how i'm leaving you there ain't much else to say I'm leaving today You can beg, you can plead And get down on your knees But I'm leaving you I'm getting on that train You cause me so much pain Oh, my bags are packed And there's no turning back Cause I'm leaving you I've heard it all before no more
play guitar like me? Hey y'all, this is Rocky Fernberg from the Noisemaker Podcast, and I wanted to tell you all about warming guitars. We all know that tone is the soul of the guitar, and pickups create that perfect sound. Still, the price of pickups can really break the bank. These guys at Warming Guitars crank out some rad pickups at an affordable price. I have been a boutique pickups guy my whole life. However, I find that the tone I pull out of Warman's pickups is comparable to top manufacturers without the outrageous markup. I endorse Warman Guitars as a common sense alternative to pickups, and right now, Warman Guitars is offering exclusively to my listeners 20% off. That's right, when you go to warmingguitars.co.uk and enter Noisemaker20 at checkout, you'll receive 20% off your purchase. These pickups are already ridiculously affordable, and yet, Warman wants to offer the listeners of the Noisemaker podcast an additional 20% off by entering Noisemaker20 at checkout. So take a minute and visit my friends over at warmingguitars.co.uk and pick up your 20% off when you use Noisemaker20 at checkout. Warming Guitars, a new heritage. So we're back with Julianne from Julianne Q and the Hal. See, I got, I got it that time, you know. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you so, did. <laughs> you got that cue. So t- tell me a little bit about how you create music, particularly like the songwriting. I mean, we kind of talked about the songwriters retreat, but how, how do you craft a song from idea to a finished product? Oh, man. Um, I think I think people kind of, uh, um, everyone kind of has their own way of doing it like some people write the lyrics and their music first or whatever um for me it really depends um the best songs that i've written i've been able to come up with the melody and the lyrics at the same time um like i usually write the music and the lyrics at the same time um i'm usually able to kind of hear it um in my head then i go right to the piano and and i write it down or if i'm out and about um I have like a bunch of voice memos on my phone where I just like sing it to myself, try <laughs> to do too. it as, be as covertly as possible and make sure nobody's trying to call the police on me. Like, Hey, there's a crazy lady singing herself. <laughs> um, so I try to do that. Um, um, God, the songwriting process. I mean, you know, you can't, I, I, on the one hand, it's like, you can't like make inspiration come to you, but you got to kind of be ready at the same time for when it does. So, um, for me, I try to, I try to write more than I have in the past and I try to be as open-minded about it as possible. Cause I kind of have this tendency of being very, very critical of myself and very hard on myself. Um, I've always been that way. And that really is not a, a great trait. Sometimes it kind of gets in the way of the songwriting process itself. Um, so the biggest thing for me that I've tried to really work on is just kind of being, being kind to myself. You know, and if the idea works, great. If it doesn't, that's okay. Doesn't mean I suck as a songwriter. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I would say about that. So uh, I typically uh, ask female artists when they're on about their experiences as being, you know, a front woman in a band. But you know, in comparison, I think I've actually interviewed more uh, women and female fronted bands on here than than men. So it kind of brings up an interesting question. I was toiling around about and figured we'd bring it up here. Do you? Do you think that there's a shift in music or the overall music scene? Is there is the pendulum swinging back towards women as singers and bands? Um, you know, I I would definitely still say that there is a lot of sexism in the music industry and and all levels of it. Um, so like, is your question more like, am I seeing more female fronted bands? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I typically try to stay away from uh, politics. I mean, if it's something that is adamant that the band's adamant about, you go ahead and talk about it. But uh, yeah, ma- mainly what I mainly what I was talking about was, yeah, I'm seeing uh, um, more of an insurgence from uh, female fronted bands, and most of what I'm seeing is at a uh, a smaller tier, not necessarily at the uh, at the you know industrial music side, you know, the, the, the big, you know, 
Columbia music side of things. I'm, I don't really pay a lot of attention to that, but I'm sure. seeing this kind of insurgence from the, the smaller end of a lot of female fronted bands. And I'm, you know, a lot of times that change comes from the root level. And so what I'm cur- what I was curious about is have, have you seen the same thing? Do you think that there's a, you know, a change in the, in the underground market that may affect, you know, the above, uh, the above ground market, quote unquote. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be totally honest with you, at least in, in, the Chicago music experience uh, scene that I've experienced, uh, no. I have not personally seen a lot of female-fronted bands. Um, I actually have a pretty hard time finding them, to be totally honest. Now, there's a difference between like women who are solo projects and then have a band behind them all the time. I know some amazingly talented um, solo artists who like just often work with other artists as like their backing band or what have you. You know, I know a lot of those in the Chicago market. I don't personally know a ton of, like, female-fronted bands. Like, they're in a band, and it's all equal membership or whatever. You know, um, that might be a more prevalent in the punk scene or in the metal scene, which I, I'm not a part of. I don't know anything about. So that's... Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I can't really, I can't really speak to that. So uh, getting into kind of your background, uh, I read that you had changed your major from theater to music in your senior year of college. Do you mind telling us a little bit about that story and how you think that it's affected uh, your post-college life? Yeah, I mean, um, so when I was a a senior in college, I pretty much had like a come to Jesus moment of like, what the hell am I actually going to do with my life after college? And um, Excuse me. I really enjoyed my experience in theater. You know, I had done it for three and a half years at that point. I studied abroad at an acting conservatory. I was networking. Like, I was ready to go and start a career. Like, I had all the resources and what have you. But there was just this little voice inside of me that kind of kept saying, you know, this is wrong. This is not. This is not your career. This is not what you're meant to do with your life. And I sort of decided to take that. I basically decided to take that leap of faith and just follow that voice and kind of see where it, where it took me. And, um, that's sort of been my, my mantra ever since is just to sort of follow that, follow that voice inside of you. And, you know, as hard as it can be as against the grain as it can be, it will be so rewarding because you'll be a much more fulfilled person. And if you work hard, I truly believe that you can achieve what that little voice inside of you is telling you to to follow. So, um, yeah, ever since ever since I graduated from college, I pursued that little voice inside of me. I, you know, I, I founded, founded a band. I essentially started my own company. I um, hit the ground running by, you know, doing research and going to conferences and networking and going to jam sessions and the whole nine yards. So it definitely has affected how, like, the message behind the music for me, at least one of the messages. Um, and which is like, you know, again, just to kind of follow that voice inside of you and it will take you to a really incredible place if you work hard. So the next question I have is kind of uh, kind of my icebreaker question here. Uh, so go ahead and have some fun with this. Tell me something that you're not supposed to tell anyone. Ooh. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> oh, God. Um, uh, oh. Um, I haven't seen all the Star Wars movies. <laughs> oh, that... <laughs> I get, I get penalized for that, man. You have no idea. Well, um, I will tell you that I am a, I am a pretty big geek and, uh, and that is pretty damn amazing that you haven't seen. I know. Yeah, so wait, hold on. Are you saying that you haven't seen all of them or you haven't seen any of them? I haven't seen the originals. Like I've only oh. seen the ones with Anakin Skywalker. Oh, those aren't the original. Oh, you've only seen the ones with Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, I haven't seen the ones oh. with, like, Princess Leia and all that. Oh, jeez. No, I know. I get the same reaction. And <laughs> so, fun fact, um, my second passion in life is craft beer. So, I work in a brewery. <laughs> and I also, so I'm a musician. I work in a brewery. And the brewery that I currently uh, work at in Chicago, it's called Empirical Brewery. And uh, all the people who work there, the brewers, the bartenders, every the staff, are huge Star Wars nerds. So, like, we literally have lightsabers that are on top of the tap handle. So when I go and pour a beer, <laughs> I'm pouring a lightsaber. Like, I'm not even kidding. And, like, when they were hiring me, they were like, okay, last question. Do you like Star Wars? And I was like, oh, God. 
Oh God, <laughs> I appreciate it. I I'm open to it. Uh, I'm open like, to it. Yeah, like I just, I just, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna crap on Star Wars. I've just never seen it. So, so, so you, you're, you were a theater major. Yes. Which obviously has to do with, I mean, more than just you know plays and 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 you know, you, you know, you're doing more than you know learning the songs to cats. You know, like, uh, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> so I mean, it has more theater has more to do also with with movies, and so I guess I would assume that you are a. Uh, uh, musical per you know are uh, uh or move you know you're into movies so that's kind of mind-blowing that that you uh haven't seen classics like that wow yeah i i do i i i love movies i love watching movies i i'm always fascinated by like what's on the oscars list and i try to kind of catch those but no i i it, it's not a lack of interest i just i just haven't you know like i my parents were not at all sci-fi nerds, so it's not like I would have grown up on it or anything. I just, it just never happened. So the next, the next thing I wanted to uh, take on here is the the next song is, and that's uh, kind of relates to some you know geekiness, some nerdiness, and that's the song's sure. title is called Poseidon. Mm. Mind giving us a little bit of yeah. background? I'd love to. Yeah. So Poseidon is um, kind of about. Um, so Poseidon is the king of the sea. He's the god of the the under undersea the, of the oceans, and it's the song is sort of essentially about um, a metaphor of fighting against waves and undertoes. So essentially, you know, your addictions, your demons, whatever, and but you can't get away because you're under the spell of Poseidon. You know, like you, you you're under the power, under the domain of Poseidon. Like you're already in over your head under the water. Um, you know, like there's, there's kind of a lot of those like eerie, um, eerie references to the sea and to kind of all the power and the majesty and the mystique of that and akening that to, you know, again, the power that someone like Poseidon or addiction or depression, anxiety, whatever can have over you. Definitely an interesting concept. And I always love songs that have that type of take on it where it's, you know, taking an idea, using a lot of terms from that idea in order to paint a, a a picture of something something that's unrelated. You know, so you're taking the sea, the ocean, and in this case, you know, the uh, uh, mythical god of the ocean, and applying that to uh, you know struggles and real world examples. So it's always interesting to hear songs like that. This is going to be Poseidon by Julianne Q and the Howl.
looking for a professional screen printer? Ghost Town Hardware has high quality staff to accommodate all your screen printing needs. Are you in a band, on a sports team, or looking for a company t-shirts? Whatever it may be, Ghost Town Hardware provides skilled professionals that will complete the job on time. Ghost Town Hardware strives to provide the best product at the perfect price. I have personally used Ghost Town Hardware several times in the past. Not only did my band repeatedly purchase shirts, stickers, and more, but I also used Ghost Town Hardware to provide attire for my event staff. I have been treated fairly and with respect, which is not something everyone can say. Right now, for new clients, Ghost Town Hardware is offering 60% off all setup fees when you use the promo code NOISEMAKER60. Once again, Ghost Town Hardware is taking over half of the setup fee price off for new clients when you use NOISEMAKER60. To redeem your 60% off setup fees, just email josh at gthardware at gmail.com. That's g-t-h-a-r-d-w-e-a-r at gmail.com. Or you can call at 208-731-3566. Again, that's 208-731-3566. And use the promo code NOISEMAKER60 to get 60% off your setup fees. Ghost Town Hardware. Quality over quantity. Some restrictions may apply. So we're back with just a few more moments with Julie from, uh, or Julianne from Julianne Q in the Hal. See, there you go. I, I butchered it this time, you know. I'm one out of. But you saved it. <laughs> but you saved it so beautifully. One. It really was awesome. One out of three. One out of three. Not not doing good here. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, you're doing better than better than most baseball players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know sports. There you go. I know the sport thing. You know, you don't know nothing about no movies. Just sports. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Sports exactly. and beer. Sports and beer. That's good. <laughs> that's why I you get along with about any 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 guy in America. Sports and beer. That's why you can be in a rock band because you you know exactly <laughs> exactly. So let's let's jump into this next set of questions here. How how important do you think images for musicians? I think it's more important than musicians would like to to think. Um, I think that the first thing that an audience member experiences of you and your show is what you look like. It's what you're wearing. It's present yourself to the world. And I think that if you don't take care of that, then you're going to kind of just melt away to the rest of the blase and just be another no-name band. Um, Similarly, I think it's also important to dress appropriately for your genre. So like, you're not going to want to show up in kiss makeup if you're a folk writer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or folk singer. You know what I mean? That'd be kind of weird. So for me, image is a big thing. So again, we are very influenced by the 60s and 70s sound. And a lot of that was leather and pattern, sh- pattern shirts and kind of torn jeans and, you know, kind of heavier makeup. And for me, I really channel that. Like I wear a lot of tight pants, a lot of leather, like leather jackets. I wear kind of darker eye makeup. I, you know, very much adhere to that style. And, you know, for me, it makes me feel like a badass, you know, like walking up there and kind of looking like a little bit of Joan Jett mixed with some Janis Joplin. I feel pretty (laughs) damn good. So, yeah, I think it's very important. And again, I think it's more important than bands would like to think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's. I think your your initial statement about that is is pretty true. I think that a lot of bands will say that it it doesn't matter or image isn't that important. But um, I I honestly do think that you know image also outside of the band, you know, individuals' images can uh, can certainly affect the band. We've had to cast people out of bands that I've had because um, of their personal decisions. So I mean, I think image is even beyond you know how you dress. But what what do you personally think that it takes? to move from being an amateur musician to being a professional? I think it depends on how you define those two terms. Uh, are you, are you wanting me to define them or? <laughs> yes. I'm wanting you to define them. <laughs> okay. So, um, I mean, I, I guess, 
I guess an amateur musician would be, uh, I mean, cause now, cause now we're, now you flip the question. Now the question, now I'm answering the question, you know, of, of uh-huh. what, <laughs> what it takes, you know, what it takes to move from being an, so to me, an amateur musician would be somebody more along the lines of, um, uh, okay. So, so isn't, isn't prepared to take on the image of, of, uh, their genre, uh, doesn't know how to handle mistakes on stage, you know, doesn't, uh, uh, you know, is, is unskilled and, and, or unprofessional in, you know, booking shows and, and, you know, they fight on stage, you know, these are, these are things that a professional musician, you know, knows how to move through and navigate through. So, I mean, to answer my own question here then would be, uh, you know, uh, what does it take to move from being an amateur musician to being a professional? The idea is that it takes time and it takes energy and it takes uh, rehearsal. It takes practice. You've got to know your instrument. You've got to know your business. You've got to know, you know, the stage, you know, you know, you've got to know everything. I mean, you don't want to, you know, you want to be able to know. So like right now with playing bass, one of the things that I've, I've learned is I've got to learn how to uh, move on the stage differently now because I have to relearn my instrument right. and my stage presence because uh, I've almost taken my uh, new vocalist to his, his head off with the headstock of my bass guitar. <laughs> so, I mean, so, I mean, these are things that, that, that I would, this is the way that I would answer the question. So, but everybody has a difference in ideas of professional musicians because, you know, some people also consider professional musicians to be people that are up on stage playing covers, you know, and I consider that to be a different area of the profession. So, I mean, right. it's, it's, it's a very subjective question. So there you go. You got me to answer my own question. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll add to it. Go ahead. Um, So for me, um, and I think Paul McCartney even said this, you have to always be learning. You have to always be, um, doing something for your music every day, be it that it's practicing your instrument, that it's, you know, learning a little bit about a certain business aspect, be it like anything from copyrights distribution to performing rights organizations um, to networking. So I'm a very big believer in learning. And I think that you are your own best asset. So the more that you know, the better, you know, the more that, you know, if you know a little bit about like, for example, um, music law and copyright, the more educated you're going to be when you're working with a music lawyer and you're signing contracts and, you know, you're making sure that you're not getting screwed over by a shady lawyer or a shady record deal or whatever. But also, more importantly, it's important to educate yourself by, you know, again, going to conferences and just even meeting other musicians at other at other jams and whatnot and and learning more about the business online. Um, It's important because you are your own business. If you want to do music as a career, you have to understand that you are a business. Your music is, I would argue, especially in the beginning, 90% business and 10% music. And it sucks. <laughs> it's the iceberg it effect. Sucks. <laughs> yeah, it sucks so much to say that. But what you do is, again, you keep learning and gathering resources and organizing your material and your all the other nuts and bolts and screws. But you also develop a team around you. I think that's kind of the second thing I would say to take away. Learn and develop a team. So, for example... I have no freaking clue how to build a website. So what did I do? (laughs) I asked my roommate, who is a web developer, to build me a website. And she did an amazing job. Um, So, you know, what what did I do when I needed help? Like with booking and everything else that runs a business, I delegated to my bandmate. Like you need to develop a a team around you, you know. And the same thing, like when we were – when I was – drafting out the contracts for uh, we have a band contract and you know songwriter split sheets and everything um and we keep track of finances and all that my boyfriend happens to be uh in the finance world so i asked him to help me with drafting the contracts and figuring out the finances so i i developed a team around me to to do things that i can't that are outside of my wheelhouse so those are the two things i would say build a team around you that you trust and that have skill sets that you don't have and then always, always keep learning. So how do you get others to take you seriously as a musician? Um, two ways. They see me sing, and then they're blown <laughs> away, and then they want to actually talk to me. You know, not to my own horn, but that's literally what happens. Okay, like I, you know, I was just at a jam session not too long ago where it was a sausage fest, and <laughs> I didn't really know anybody there. 
and I'm trying to, you know, be all friendly and like talk to everybody around me. And they're all like, yeah, okay, whatever. I get up on stage, blow their pants off. And then they're like, Oh, what's your name? Oh, I'm like, yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I freaking thought. Um, yeah. So there's that. Um, but also if you're not able to see me perform, then, uh, I work my ass off. I work really hard and I'm very dedicated and determined to make uh, a successful career out of this. And you see that when you're talking to me, like you can tell that I know my shit, I have my shit together and I'm also willing to admit what I don't know and learn from you, but also, you know, help each other out too. So it's, it's the way that I approach people from a business perspective as much as it is the way that I approach my um, performance. Yeah, I would certainly agree that it has a lot to do with how you carry yourself as an individual. And I think that stems to uh, whatever whatever profession you're in and whatever product or service you're attempting to deliver to the masses. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you are on the entire time. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you are on before you hit the stage, during the stage, and after the stage. Like, you are always on. So this next section, I kind of leave open for bands. Um, you can plug your music and stuff in here. Uh, however, I'll link to it all in the show notes, just like I always do. But I leave this open for you to be able to throw shout outs or uh, to anybody that's you know helped or anybody that you find important or just anybody in general. Uh, throw out plugs, uh, any, anything like that. This, this next section is just for you to shout out and plug anybody you want, anything you want, restaurants. I've had tattoo shops, all kinds of things. So have at it. <laughs> oh man, I love it. Okay. Um, so first off and foremost, I want to give a shout out to my bandmates. Um, I love you guys. You guys rock. Um, Egan, Chris, Jeff, like you guys are my buddies and I love doing this with you and I'm so glad that we get to do this. Um, my parents have been incredibly supportive throughout the entire time from, you know, me being a theater major, LOL to me then like being like, Hey, um, I'm going to go do this music thing. Okay. Bye. Like they've been nothing but supportive the entire time. My family's been an absolute rock in my life and I'm very, very blessed to be able to say that. Um, again, my roommate Andy for, um, helping me build that freaking awesome website. Um, the people who come out to our shows, um, our, our little tight group of, of significant others and family like and friends, like they're just our support system. They're our lifeblood. Um, so we're really blessed to have them as part of the Howl, you know, Julianne Q and the Howl, our family and whatnot. Um, so where you can find our music. So our music's going to be out on Spotify on Julianne Q and the Howl. It, the best thing that you can do to support us is to follow us on Spotify. It's, it works, it's going to be out October 20th. That's the release date. So as soon as it's October 20th, click that follow button on Spotify. Um, we are on Facebook and Instagram as Julianne Q and the Howl. We're on Twitter as JQ and the Howl. Our website is JulianneQMusic.com. And uh, if you ever have any questions or you want to see where else we're performing, check out our website or you can email us at julianne at juliannequmusic.com. Great. Well, the last song we're going to wrap up here with is uh, going to be Skyrider. Why don't you go ahead and uh, give us the uh, lowdown on what Skyrider is about? Yeah. So Skyrider is um, a song essentially about um, kind of a euphoric, sense of triumph it's just basically one big rock anthem that's supposed to kind of really make you feel good and like a like a like a have a high you know it's our closer um it's a really special moment in the show um i won't give it away but there's a really special point in the show where we where we do something really unique and really cool and that really just kind of brings the moment together so for us it's very much an uplifting anthem of you know you can do anything Great, well this is going to be Skyrider by Julianne Q and the Howl.
This was great. I really hope you guys enjoyed my interview with Julianne. It was a lot of fun. We, once again, talked a lot off the air and uh, kind of had to stop because I have uh, other stuff I have to do today, too. But, I mean, it, it, she was super awesome. Uh, I find it amazing that she's never seen the original Star Wars. It was just mind-blowing. I actually just watched uh, uh, The Last Jedi the other night, and I will say that I was rather unimpressed, but I'm not a huge fanboy, despite my levels of geekiness. Nevertheless, you know, uh, Julianne was really, uh, uh, definitely really sparky. She's really trying to get out there and, and, and get her music out there. So I encourage everybody to go out there and take a moment to support them and listen to some more of their music and uh, subscribe to their mailing list so that you can stay up to date. We were actually talking about a possibility of uh, the band maybe making its way out west here. So hopefully uh, we will be able to help them promote some uh, uh, shows that they might be able to, or they might have coming up. And hopefully we will see a little bit more of Julianne Q and the How. Big shout out to the rest of the band. I know that not everybody could have been on the show today. So big shout out to them. And uh, uh, thank you guys so much for allowing me the opportunity to bring you guys on and talk about your music. Be sure to tune in next time as we're going to have an indie rock, indie punk band from Sioux City, Iowa. Once again, I would like to thank everyone for listening. Please like, share, subscribe, and give us a five-star review. I have included links to the band's pages and their music in the show notes. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at NoisemakerPod. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email me at NoisemakerPod at gmail.com. Until next time, don't stop following your dreams.